welcome back for another episode of Hawology Podcast. You guys know I haven't made an episode since July. Like when I say people have been blowing up my social media, I get messages on Snapchat, messages on Instagram. Girl, when are you coming back? Where are the episodes? Like, what are you doing? And I apologize to my hosts. I apologize to my babies. Okay, I'm here. I'm back. Let's do this. They're probably like, bitch, you don't get to just come back to our lives and act like nothing ever fucking happened. You're right. Let me tell y'all where I was. I was out the streets, okay? Listen, my Prince Charming swooped in. He said, bitch, you about to be my wife. And I said, okay, I'm finna be your wife then. And that is what happened. I have made the transition from hoe to housewife. That's right. The streets has lost a real one, a pioneer, if you will. No more sugar daddies. No more ending up in the back of a random person's car, riding fast at 2 a.m. No, no. No more carefree hoe activities. It's, it's truly been a run. And I want to say thank you to the streets because you made me. You made me. But it's time for me to go now. R.I.P. to the streets. I'm just playing, y'all. I did get married, um, and I am leaving the streets, but it ain't no sad shit around here. I am still very much all about the whole life. Like, let's get into it. Let's ask the the whole questions. I want to be nosy. I want to know what y'all like, what you don't like. I'm just going to be giving it from, you know, a housewife perspective. A bitch is still working, so I am certainly not a housewife, but a bitch is married now. So it's very much going to be the same whole content that you love, but I'm just going to be telling it from a different perspective and I'm going to be embracing that side. Um, this episode specifically is about what the fuck it means to go from hoe to housewife in my personal experience as a former hoe. So let me just bring y'all down my little, my little hoe to housewife journey. So first of all, it started back in 2021. My now husband, actually was a listener of my podcast and he wrote me on Instagram and was asking me like a shit ton of questions being annoying as fuck but I could tell that he was like super interested and it was kind of nice but I was just like bro like no I'm dealing with a nigga right now like this is just not like what I want and this nigga that I'm currently dealing with is already on some other shit like I don't need nothing else so he was like okay like I'm gonna lay low I'm gonna just be a fan of the podcast and and be cool Fast forward, it's now November, December, and he's like, surprise, bitch, I moved to Tampa, and I still want to take you out. And I was like, "Mm, no, but we could be friends. And he was like, okay, fine, but like, I'm letting you know I'm not backing down. And I was like, "Mm, yeah, whatever. So comes time for Valentine's Day, and up until this point, we had literally just been friends. Like, I was very much enjoying single life like enjoying just like really pouring into myself so I was like I don't even have no hoes right now like I cut all my niggas off at the time like I was like please leave me the fuck alone like I don't want anybody I just want all about destiny like whatever she wants is what she's gonna get she won't get her nails done on a Sunday that's what she's gonna do 
And I was very much just into myself, happy and at peace alone. And that's a very scary thing to be in when you're so at peace being alone because you're like, I really don't need no fucking body. And I didn't. And I feel like I still don't need anybody. But having someone is has been very nice for certain reasons that I'm going to get into later. But essentially, he was like, let me be your Valentine. And I was like, mm, I don't even fucking celebrate Valentine's Day, but fine. So Valentine's weekend, I was actually in St. Louis because my mom had just gotten married. So he had the spare key to my apartment because I was like, shit, I accidentally left my door unlocked the last time I went out of town, which was in like January. So I was like, you live close enough. Like, can you, you know, make sure that my place is like locked up because I'm an idiot and I forgot to lock the door. And he was like, yeah, sure. So when I got home from my mom's wedding, I came in and there was flowers there was two bags of gifts my favorite wine like a super cute like playlist that he made for me like a super cute note um he just really like went hard and I was like damn nobody has ever like really done this level of like romanticism for me like niggas have bought me gifts obviously and that shit is sweet obviously but like this level of like thought was super just unheard of in my previous dating experience and for that I was like you know what let me let me give him a chance and so pretty much we started dating after that and it was just going super fast like but it was natural like it wasn't forced fast and so I was like you know what like I'm 27 I don't really need to answer to anybody I don't need to explain anything to anybody like I am in love with this man just like head over heels never felt anything like this before and I want to do whatever it is that he wants to do and whatever it is that we want to do together and we did we kept joking around like oh yeah well we already know we're gonna be together forever and so we kind of like legit had a sit down talk and we were like like are we waiting for something specific like do you want a wedding no i don't want like a wedding um do you want kids no i don't want kids like what do you think a relationship looks like like we were having like these talks all the time just about everything under the sun and we made the decision like you know what fuck it like let's elope so cutest sweetest thing ever my favorite holiday is halloween And I was actually in Puerto Rico for a wedding in May, which happened to be Friday the 13th. So he met me out there and that's when he gave me the ring and it was super sweet. And I was like, I love this so much. And a month later on June 2nd, we eloped. Our best friends were both with us. My best friend flew down from Atlanta. His best friend came down from Orlando to be our witnesses. And it was literally just such a sweet day. And I'm very glad we did it in a way that worked for us. It is now October. We're almost at Halloween and we just sent out our elopement announcements. Um, It's been just a lot of, a lot of things. I'm going to say this, the transition to housewife from hoe, specifically a hoe that is good at hoeing and a hoe that treats herself has been interesting um it's a lot of like smoke and mirrors I'll say like I think previously when I looked at marriages my parents marriages um my friends marriages celebrities even I was like okay like it's very easy to call out 
what is wrong and what is, you know, what I would never do. But honestly, people don't talk about how hard marriage is enough. And I saw a TikTok video and it was like, whenever you ask somebody that's married what marriage is like, everybody just says marriage is hard. Like, why are you married then? Like, what, what, why are you in that relationship? And it's like, you ask them a fucking question and you got an answer. Marriage is fucking hard. It is literally like integrating entire lives. Like you're not just integrating your life and his life like you do with dating. You're integrating whole ass families. You have now created a family. Whether there's children or not involved, you two are a family now. You're integrating finances. You're integrating health. Like there is so much that is weighed and put pressure on you the second you say I do like you can ask any one of your married friends like did anything change after you guys got married the answer is yes I used to be one of those girls that was like oh like what's the difference between you know just being in a relationship for like four years versus being married like nothing's gonna change that's not fucking true everything fucking changes like not for the for the worse so to speak but it does change I don't know what happens but ask your married friends, when you said I do, did anything change for you? And they're going to be like, yes, but I cannot explain what the fuck it is. But just know something changed. I think too, like the important thing to note that like going from a single girl to a married woman, like even single to dating when I was very much, like I said, at peace being alone, it was very hard for me to make that shift of like having to consider someone else because I finally was happy with where I had gotten myself without having to consider anybody else. Like I very much used to be a person that like depended on relationships to give me validation, like just to keep it a hundred with y'all. Like I used to be like, you know what? If I'm with somebody, then they can tell me that I look pretty. They can tell me, you know, that I look sexy. They can tell me X, Y, and Z, but I didn't have that for myself. So I went through this whole journey of like self-love and discovering what that means and like practicing that. And then also learning, right, as a fucking adult, which is sad, but learning how to fucking set boundaries for myself. And I didn't even learn how to practice setting boundaries until like, last year 2021 which is sad but it's it's the truth like so then to go from I'm setting boundaries and I'm sticking to them to like damn now I have to be in a relationship and be married and marriage is straight up fucking compromise where your boundaries get a little bit like blurry at times but it's a lot like having to consider someone else is very difficult and people think like well why are you just in a marriage like that and it's like that's not a marriage per se like that's fucking life but I experienced this level of this through marriage so like at work I can set boundaries all I want but like how are my co-workers gonna take that with friends I can set boundaries and say girl I don't want to go out in a club no more but then how is that how's my friend gonna take that because that's our way of connecting you know in my marriage I could set boundaries and say like pick up fucking after yourself But how's my husband going to take that instead of just being like, hey, can you pick up your stuff off the floor? And this is why I would like for you to do that. It sounds in fucking sane when single if single me would hear this, she'd be like, bitch, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, this is a grown ass man. But married me knows that we come from two different lives, two different worlds. And so in his world previously, he might not have had to pick up after himself because it was just him. 
Whereas in my world, I have two younger sisters. And so I've always been the one as the oldest sibling having to pick up after them. So it's always been me cleaning up after somebody else. And that shit is triggering for me. And so I think that's a big thing with marriage too is like every little thing from like your past can be triggering in your marriage because you're like, bro, what what the fuck is the benefit of this? Like him and I have legit had that conversation since being married. Like what is the benefit of marriage if it's just a relationship where now we're like interlocked legally, you know? And we had that discussion and, you know, obviously we're still married. So it's it's working out more than it's not working out for us. But I just think that when you ask someone that is married, you know, what's it like being married? And they say, well, marriage is hard. Give them some fucking grace because they're being honest with you. Don't be one of those people that's like, well, I could never, I would never, because let me tell you something. I used to say I could never, I would never put up with that. And a situation real fucking quick will fall in your lap and make you never real, real fucking fast, real fucking fast. People like to get online and pretend that they're a totally different person, but we all know internet personalities are a lot different in real life than they claim to be on the internet. And and that's just all I'm going to say about that. Now, one last final hurrah about, you know, what it feels like to be a hoe to housewife, right? Like, I love my husband. I love the relationship and the foundation that we're building. If something were to ever happen and we ended up divorced, I would never remarry. And that's just, again, being honest, being real. I don't think marriage is for me more than once. I have no problem with like being faithful or the level of commitment it takes. That's never been something for me as far as like, you know, cheating and infidelity. That's not, I don't practice those things. So that's not it when it comes to marriage. But I don't like having a level of, required access I'm very much a Sagittarius like don't tell me what to do don't put me in a box like I will give it to you if you allow me to give it to you but don't make me have to do it and that's what marriage is like you are required to be vulnerable 24 7 with this person they are you have committed your lives to each other like unconditional commitment like if you get cancer I'm sticking by your side if you lose a leg in a in an auto accident I'm sticking by your side like if you have to lose a ball sticking by your side. You can't get pregnant, sticking by your side. Like that is marriage, unconditional commitment to each other, faux L, faux life. The divorce rates say otherwise when it comes to faux L, but you know, on this podcast, we're going to say for life. That's a lot on my, my little heart. My heart can't take a lot of pressure like that. I don't like pressure. Um, I don't like it because it causes wrinkles and I'm too cute for that. So this is my one and only, and we're going we gonna to write it out. We're going to write it out for L. So whenever my husband and I are having, like, any kind of disagreement or argument, he's always like, you know, do you still want to be married to me? Yes or no. Do you still love me? Yes or no. Like, are you willing to work on this? Yes or no. And every time the answer has been yes. So I think that's a good tool that we have to, like, kind of bring bring us back to reality to say, like, is this problem really as big as we're making it out to be? You know, that's a very helpful tool in marriage. But again, this man is my one and only. He is the only one that I'm willing to do this with and to go through this with. This experience has been quite literally life-changing. Um, there are things I would say that if someone were to ask me, for example, like what my advice on being married is, I would say 
to look at marriage for what it is, not what you dreamed it to be. My husband and I actually signed up for like marriage counseling super early on because we wanted to prevent some of those hurdles that we've seen in marriages around us, including our parents, our friends, fam- like other family members, whatever. We very much value like communication. We know that that's an important tool in relationships and we knew that we didn't have the strongest communication because what he would say is not what I would hear. And, you know, my intent when it came across might have been like too strong or whatever. It just might have not came across the right way. And we actively want to work on like improving that. And let me just tell you, one of the first things that our marriage therapist told us was to release all expectations and to look at what is actually happening. And that is like a huge tool in, in our marriage, you know, release the expectations, release what you expect out of yourself and the other person, because they're not you, they are them. You know, they have their own background, they have their own traumas and triggers and et cetera, and it's going to come across, but you need to be able to be understanding and you need to be able to look at what is actually happening. Just everything, like everything, even from like childhood, like it just, it's crazy how much it all just ties together, but it does. And that is, that is marriage, connecting and intertwining entire lives with an unconditional level of commitment and dedication to the other person. There are a few things though that I'm gonna miss from Hoenn. I'm gonna miss, I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss having a hot girl summer. I'm gonna miss, you know, being all about me, being that like selfish, selfish girl, you know, which I mentioned. Having a roster, like just, Something about having hoes, like a multitude of hoes, just like worship the fucking ground you walk on. Like the power of the pee, like it, it really resonates with hoes because it's like, I know you need me. I, I know, I know. That's just, I, like my husband needs me, but like it's just, it's a different feeling, you know? I'll miss that. I'll miss feeling powerful when it comes to my hoes. I'll miss the carefree hoe activities, you know? Like you truly never know where the night will take you, like especially if you're out with the girls. I don't have that luxury. I know where the night is taking me. Home to my husband. That that's where I'm going, guys. It's it's bittersweet. So, of course there are things that marriage has like the perks of fucking marriage. Like I get to love and be loved by someone unconditionally, like when we're happy, when we're mad, when we're nervous, like when we're excited, we're experiencing, you know, new businesses, growth opportunities, all of that. Like I get to experience that with someone for the rest of my life, like I always have a partner in crime right there. My husband is my literal best friend. Like all those times I was giving him no fucking play. He was learning me. He was getting to know me. We were asking questions with each other. We were just really experiencing each other. When life around us is challenging or moving fast, we have each other to navigate it together. So again, having that person there. I also get to discover a new side of myself. Like I said, single destiny, talking to married destiny will be like, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but like, no, let's go out. Let's have a party. Let's meet some niggas. Like, let's run it up, blah, blah, blah. Married destiny, not so much. I want to start a business. You know, I want to travel with my husband. I want to see new things. I want to learn new things. So I get to discover a new side of myself. My problems now are more than just mine. They're his too. And he actively works to figure shit out. 
I can't figure out how to fucking plunge a toilet. Like, do I know how? Yes. But if it doesn't work, then what? My husband knows what to do. When I need gas, he goes and fills my car up. Like, when we need grocery, he's he gets it on the way home. Like, he's very much attentive to my needs. And that beats everything in the streets. Overall, the transition, again, has been interesting. I don't know where it's going to take me or where it's going to go, but just know that the inner hoe will always be there looking out for y'all. So stay tuned for more episodes and more hoe shit. I will be returning very soon. Happy hoeing. Happy New Year! Welcome back for another episode of Hoology Podcast. This is your host, Destiny, of course, who else would it be? And we're back for the first episode of the new year. I'm super excited and I'm interested to get some feedback on this episode because the topic is something I've been trying to like I guess get sorted out as far as like getting the idea out of my head and onto like the podcast mic, but I want to know what you guys have to say about it too. We're not going to start with a tweet of the week because the conversation actually came up at a wedding that I was recently at. Um, and the conversation, if you can't tell by the episode title is about the birds and the bees. Now, to me, the quote unquote birds and the bees or having the talk, like It's all something that I feel like we hear about, but we never actually have actually had with our parents, with our grandparents, whoever raised you or was that parental figure in your life. We never really actually have the talk. For those of you that have been listening to Hoology for a long time, um, or even just in the last year, you guys remember the Nothing Like the First Time episode where I told the story of losing my virginity. And how before that, all I ever learned about sex was from our sex ed class at high school or my friends. And now that I am a sexually active adult, um, even as a sexually active young adult and teen, I literally learned everything from friends, porn, TV, like not, not actually what sex was, not what intimacy was, not what even masturbation was. Um, I told you guys in another episode that I didn't even masturbate until I was 21 because I didn't understand what it was and why pleasure was what it is, um, which I know sounds crazy. So stay with me though. We're going to, we're going to deep dive and maybe you guys have had this experience. Maybe you haven't, but as a former hoe and a hoe for my husband, I have to say like, There's so much that I wish I learned about sex, even just like basics that I feel like people should talk about with their kids um, or teens or whoever, or it should be discussed amongst adults. But we're going to dive into the birds and the bees. Let's get started. So the first topic I want to talk about is the talk itself. When did you have the talk? Did you even have the talk? Did you learn anything from school, from movies, from TV, shit, even music? Um, One of the biggest things I think is people and their version of what the talk is. Now, I am not preaching what something should or shouldn't be, but I feel like a lot of the time, a big 
part of what people consider having the talk means is getting handed a bag of condoms and told don't come back home pregnant or don't bring somebody home pregnant. And as we know, sex is so much more than that. Like I think at minimum, having the talks should start with the understanding of consent. I know personally, I was never talked to about consent um, until I got to high school, of course, which was when we had sex ed classes, which I don't even think they have sex ed classes anymore. Like everything is so like centered around politics related to sexual health, sexual education, etc. But I didn't learn anything about consent other than no means no. I don't know if like other people had like a more in-depth talk related to consent, but it sure wasn't in my house. And you know, as women, I think that it's kind of like understood, but the, the older you get, like it just, it just completely unfolds as far as consent is concerned, because it goes into grooming and rape and reporting rape and targeted groups and like drugs being molested, um, nonverbal and verbal cues. Like, oh my God, like consent as a whole should absolutely be discussed more um, in households. Even things like rape culture, right? Like victim blaming, saying, oh, why was she wearing? Like that shit is all detrimental and to have to deal with it as an adult and be like pretty much blindsided, I think is insane. But I definitely think that if people are having the talk with their kids, rape culture and like understanding what victim blaming even is will help kids that are trying to be sexually active have a more like realistic expectation of what's to come as far as um, engaging in sex and the world of sex. I also think a big thing that's overlooked as far as having the talk is reporting sexual abuse. Um, Even when it comes to something like date rape drugs, right? Like we all watched fucking Law and Order SVU, and that's, I feel like, where we got the bulk of our knowledge for learning about sexual abuse and molestation and different things that go into, unfortunately, being victimized by our system. Like, not to get on my high horse, but why did it take Law and Order SVU for me to learn about how a lot of times politicians, the law is not framed for people to report sexual abuse? how there's like over 200,000 rape kits that are like destroyed or still sitting on the shelf untested. Like, I feel like a lot of that, I still don't know. I still don't know. Yes, I know to go to the police if I am sexually assaulted, abused, or et cetera, but sometimes you don't even know what that looks like, like what that sounds like. A big, big thing that I wish we were taught is about how men are a lot of the times victims of sexual assault. And they don't report it. Half the time, men don't even see themselves as victims. And when I talked about losing my virginity in the Nothing Like the First Time episode, that was one of the things I said is about how men often lose their virginity to a much older woman, aka grooming, which is a form of child sex abuse. It is. Like, whether you thought you were consenting or were not, even myself, like, It is a form of abuse. And a lot of times men don't see themselves, unfortunately, as victims, even though they are, and they don't know that they have resources and they don't take the necessary steps. Or if they do, they're not believed or they're told that they need to, you know, man up and just deal with it when that shouldn't be the case. There should absolutely be a like pre-sex education on sexual assault 
and abuse for both genders, and even the folks that are non-binary. As for my next point, um, one thing that I do have to give props to as far as the talk or the birds and the bees is reproduction. If it's one motherfucking thing that we know from high school, from our parents, from anything on this earth is that we know how babies are made. People have sex, the sperm enters the egg, the egg becomes fertilized, the woman becomes pregnant. End of story. Wrong. There is so much more to reproduction, reproductive health, anatomy. Oh my God. Like there's so much that they should have just told us or should have been upfront about whether they knew or whether they just had the resources and didn't know how to properly have that conversation. Oh Lord, 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 Lord. Even things like they teach little kids, right? As far as anatomy is concerned, teaching a child the appropriate name for a penis and a vagina instead of saying, oh, my no-no or my wee-wee, like things like that are a lot of reasons too why when a child is abused, they can't really say what happened to them because they got all these 10 million names for their penis or their vagina. They don't know. They're told all these other things. And one thing that I was taught um, at my first gynecology visit was to open your legs and explore yourself. Look at what's down there. Nobody can show or know that something is wrong with you but you because you are the most familiar with your own body. And I wish that that was taught more um, about being comfortable with your body, looking at your body. Outside of like the beauty industry, there's so much like shame and just unfamiliarity like with the body territory that you have but you the one dealing with your own body every single day even something like pregnancy where like I said earlier you know girls are just told don't come home pregnant and guys are like don't get nobody pregnant but nobody talks about other things surrounding that like how teen pregnancies a lot of them are from fucking pre-cum which we didn't even know in high school was a thing. Nobody talked about like pre-cum. It was just like, oh, you have sex. The sperm enters the egg. Not about he got excited while y'all were dry humping with your clothes off and now you're pregnant. Like that's probably fucking extreme, but whatever. But I do think our doctors um, do a great job as far as like when you are around that sexually active age of asking you the appropriate questions, but it can feel intimidating when you're being asked about sex and you're first of all still very immature so you're probably laughing at the thought of sex even though you're trying to have sex and second off when your parents are sitting in the room and you don't want them to know that you're having sex like so it can be very intimidating but I do think our doctors do a great job um, of providing education information for the most part because there are some things that they fuck up on but there are things that I wish I knew about at a young age before I started having sex like infertility um especially related to stis like going into college i feel like i was whoo i was set up for failure we were all set up for failure like stis ran rampant on our campus and the worst part was is the only thing that we had from high school was being terrified by images but not what any of the symptoms were because a lot of STIs have no symptoms in men at least. And for women, you don't know that something's wrong with your body, which again goes back to exploring your body and knowing your body, you know, when something's off, but that is definitely something I wish that more parents would have sat down to talk to us to 
especially because this ain't the first time like they had syphilis our parents had syphilis okay we had to deal with chlamydia gonorrhea hpv uh hsv aids hiv you name it we got to deal with it but we were thoroughly uneducated on the subject but you know there are a lot of resources today which i will get to later um but it does suck that it feels like we're dealing with so much because unfortunately we were unprepared by our by our leaders and our parental generation that was supposed to be there for us now it can get overwhelming and you know when you're that age of like 17 18 you think in 16 even you think you know everything you think you know everything can't nobody tell you shit like you done lived your little conscious life since you were like five years old and you swear you know the world but you don't and it can be hard to educate someone that thinks that they know everything. So I'm going to give give our parental generation some grace and the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to pause here. Um, I do want to say, like, if you did have, like, a healthy sexual, I guess, conversation with your parents growing up and you consider that, like, the talk and you felt pretty prepared as far as, like, where you are now, um, let me know. If you didn't, and some of these things are like, damn, I really wish that our, my parents would have prepared me for this. I'm going to challenge you, unless, of course, you are of Caribbean descent or African um, descent, because your parents will freak the fuck out if you bring up <laughs> anything about sex. But um, I want to challenge you guys to have a conversation with your parents, especially if you have younger age siblings, especially if they're in high school or in college right now. Um to ask your parents, like, hey, when you were talking to me about sex, like, how come you only, you know, focused on pregnancy? Why didn't we talk about consent? Why didn't we talk about, you know, sexual abuse or STIs or even reproductive health? Like, why didn't we talk about how to check myself for cancer and the risks of birth control, like infertility? Did you know about these things? Like, do you feel like you're still learning? Were you embarrassed? Was I an asshole and you couldn't talk to me as a kid because I thought I knew everything? Um, I'm going to challenge you guys to talk to your parents and let me know what happens. I, my mom is very supportive of my podcast. Now she doesn't promote it and she doesn't listen to it, which is fine. Um, but I absolutely could talk to her about why she didn't have a more in-depth conversation regarding like, sexual health, just sex in general as a conversation. She wasn't shy about sex in our household. Like, I think she just had a very tough upbringing. So her focus wasn't on like providing a whole wholehearted like explanation on what sex was, you know, which leads me to my third point and my final point, honestly, which is <sighs> masturbation. I can almost guarantee that none of us had a talk about masturbation in our houses. Like, it's like the ultimate um, no-no, right? Like, it's like the forbidden feeling, the tempted touch, if you will. Hell no. The closest conversation me and my mother had about masturbation was when she found out I had sex and she was like, you better not be laying on your back for free 
because if that's the case, you might as well use your own two fingers and at least you'd get there. That was it. That was it. That was the most that I ever even heard about masturbation, which is why I said when I turned 21 and I had my sugar daddy and he bought me my first toy and he showed me how to masturbate. Then I was like, oh, this is the bee's knees. Need a man for what? But I think there's a deeper, healthier conversation to be had about masturbation. Like, what is pleasure? Why do we even have sex outside of reproduction? What the fuck is porn? And why are there so many controversial damn porn titles? What is coming? What is orgasming? What are toys? And the fact that like all of our parents, all of them have had drawers with toys that have been like accidentally discovered by us as kids or had porno DVDs. Jesus Christ, back when there were DVD players and VHSs. Oh God, but the fact that they had that and not talk to us about masturbation, come on, come on y'all. Like even just like I said, why we're having sex outside of reproduction for pleasure, but what is pleasure? How do I even find out what I like? AKA go back and listen to the Baby Got Bodies episode where I talked about how finding out what you like is usually having sex with multiple people and then going from there about what you did and didn't like and molding yourself from there. But that can also be touching yourself, getting in tune with your own body. Porn, oh my God. The unrealistic shaping that porn did for our sexual expectations, like fake moaning. I don't know if you guys have ever watched Gwyneth Paltrow's TV show, Sex, Love, and Goop on Netflix. I highly recommend it. Because one of the episodes, um, they're working with a sexological body worker and she's talking about how porn literally, literally has people having sex and they're like, ah, 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 and they're short breaths. But when you are having sex, you don't want short breaths. You want to be able to breathe. Like when you're yoga breathing and they tell you breathe and go all the way through your toes, that's what you should be doing during sex. And I, I recently actually changed that with my husband because I used to be like a, uh, 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 like that type of, that, that type of person. But I said, I don't like that. I want to feel it. I want to feel all of it. I want to feel every single stroke. I want to feel as deep as you could possibly go. And the best way to do that is to breathe through it. So now I'm like, uh, deep breaths versus like the, uh, uh, that porn teaches us. Also, porn teaches you that everything's going to be perfect and that it's going to be sexy and you're going to look hot. And it's like, sometimes you don't feel that way. Sometimes like you're ovulating and you're wetter than usual. Sometimes you're squirting. Sometimes you're not as wet and you need a little lube. Sometimes you want to switch up the positions because you get a leg cramp. Like they don't show that shit in porn. But you know what they do show? 20 minutes of male pleasure of getting head and sucking dick. I hate that I have to watch lesbian porn because I don't want to see 20 minutes of a 30 minute porn of the girl just giving head. And even in fucking lesbian porn now, why are you sucking a dildo for 20 minutes? Who is this porn for? So that's why I've switched to um, female led porn companies like Belessa. Shout out to them. Trying to get them as a sponsor one day. But it overall i think porn is very detrimental um especially the kind that we grew up on and the kind our parents had to like what is real as far as like the expectations of what's to come during sex 
Because if you if we think about what the sex is that we actually have in our bedroom, like the fun sex where we're learning, we're exploring, we're looking at something new, we're touching, that is not what you see in porn. It can be very aggressive in porn, which, okay, if you like aggression, that's your thing, whoop-de-doo. But a lot of us are not like that. Even if we do like aggressive, we like it like tuned to our body, not just being used as a fucking sex object. That sounded really feminist, and I'm sorry, but it, it's it's the truth in this case. I think, too, porn led to a lot of trash sex culture of just, even if I'm not feeling good, I don't really know what I'm supposed to be feeling, so I'm just going to say that it was good. Or I'm just not going to say anything at all, actually. And then that's how trash sex culture was born. But had we been taught about what pleasure is, how your body is supposed to respond or how it's expected to respond to these things, I think that we would have had a much better grasp on speaking up for ourselves sexually um, and eliminating trash sex culture. Because my God, even things like toys, vibrators, and for men, flashlights, we have those. Like, I just stitched a TikTok yesterday about how flesh a guy a guy's mom found his flashlight under his bathroom sink when she was looking for toilet paper and he was so like ashamed but it's like i bet you if we went to your mom's house right now she has a vibrator if she doesn't she probably has some kind of lube or some kind of dildo like guaranteed guaranteed now not all people use toys i'm very aware of that but at some point everyone has masturbated (laughs) at some point whether you liked it or you didn't like it you've tried it i do think It's kind of funny that for younger people, I'll say like teenage age, like high school or whatever, masturbation for men is expected. There's a cliche of like, it's understood. It doesn't need to be said. He's at that age, quote unquote, like, oh, I'm not touching any socks that are laying around. He locks the door. Like it's expected for men. But I don't think that same expectation is there for girls. I could be wrong. Like, did your parents talk to you about masturbating? Like, As a woman, for men, I think it's just expected, again. But I could be wrong. But um, I definitely think that there's that, oh, you know, he's just at that age, so you better get ready. Like, people, you know, say that amongst their peers. But I don't don't think it's there for, for girls. But let me know. I think one of the biggest things from this episode I want to just bring more conversation about is how a lack of sexual education can affect sexuality and pleasure i feel two ways about it generally like on one hand our parents did the best they could with what they had and the world has changed so much regarding sexuality and how open we are about sexuality as a society but on the other hand sex is natural history constantly repeats itself so just like our parents had porn dvds and now we have porn apps and bots and sex dolls, etc. I feel like they hella sent us out into the world half blind. I definitely, as a podcaster, as a woman, as an advocate for sexual liberation as a society, I would love to change the conversation around the talk or the birds and the bees and all of that. And part of doing that means giving my listeners resources. If you or anyone you know has experienced sexual assault or sexual abuse in any form and you need someone to talk to and you need help finding resources, 
please call 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-4673. That's the National Sexual Assault Hotline. If you have kids and you listen to this episode, there is a um, Instagram, sexpositive underscore families, F-A-M-A-L-I-E-S on Instagram by Melissa Cargany. And she writes books all about um, reproductive health for kids, like understanding what a penis is, what a vagina is, um, how to have the talk with your kids. She has it all the way up from little kids to teenagers to preteens. Like she has a lot of cool book resources and a lot of parents in her comments are like, thank you so much. They're asking for more advice, for tips. So please check her out. I cannot stress that enough. Um... Also, I wanted to give you guys one more just little little cookie, little nugget. If you are going to be out and you're going to be drinking or anything like that, make sure you protect yourself against the dangers of date rape drugs with my cup condom. It's literally exactly what it sounds like. It's a cover that goes over any cup size. It, it's elastic and it stretches or it shrinks to the size that you need it to be. Um, and it protects your cup from anyone potentially sprinkling in drugs or mixing in something that you do not want in your cup or drink. So check them out too. It's my cup condom. As always, thank you guys for listening and happy hoeing.